Now that Zack and I have returned from our separate summer road trips, we need to catch up on all the big news from the Realm Makers Conference. This 10th annual gathering from July 21st through 23rd brought together fantastical creators and publishing pros at an Atlantic City hotel. Lorehaven was also there, sharing with new and existing fans how we explore fantastical stories for God's glory. We also got to see the winners of the 2022 Realm Awards for Best Christian-Made Fantasy in books, audio, short stories, and beyond. Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world Jesus calls us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett. I'm Lorehaven's publisher. I'm a speaker and co-author of the nonfiction book about fiction, The Pop Culture Parent. And while many fans like Stephen wait for the Zack Snyderverse to be restored, we have restored the Stephen and Zack verse. That's right. I'm back. This is episode 123. Which fantastical novels won big at the 2022 Realm Awards? Zach, you were not able to go to Realm Makers this time, and I regret that choice, but also understand because you also have many other hats to wear. You took your family on a big road trip, got to see the Ark Encounter, went up to a big conference of your own. I'm curious, just before we get started here, uh, what happened on your road trip? Yeah, so we logged at least 4,000 miles in a great big circle. We drove around the United States. Uh, may need some new tires or oil or something after this, but uh Thank goodness uh, all the driving went just fine. He might hear in my voice, we did pick up COVID along the way back. So I'm still fighting through that right now with uh, with all the uh, weapons I can fight it with. But yeah, we had a, a niece's wedding. Then we had a big uh, conference for the ministry we work for. And then we got to see the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter. And my goodness, that was so delightful to go to both of those things. Um, man, Stephen, the most surprising thing to me was to hear languages from around the world and see people from around the world there at the Ark Encounter. I mean, we saw people very obviously Hindu and Muslim as well as just normal people from other parts of the world. I, I could not believe how international it was and how what, what would draw you there if you were not a Christian. You know, it, it, this event was very, not only internationally focused, but very evangelistic focused. So that was that was quite something. And I think my favorite part of it, which is very on brand for our show, is they had this one exhibit that was uh, the 200 or so ancient myths that all pointed to a worldwide flood. And so you could, you could read these myths and these like cool little tablet kind of things. And it's like, wow, the, the Noah's flood was, is not just a story recorded in the Bible. It was recorded by many ancient peoples uh, shortly after the Tower of Babel is what it seems like. We were talking before the show about uh, Christians who seem to have woken up recently and decided that we need some more inclusivity in our fiction. And that, however, is something I've already seen like for decades from uh, Answers in Genesis, Ark Encounter, yes. Creation Museum. Like they were doing it arguably before it was cool. Like they, mm. they literally in the mid 90s were putting out material you know, against racism and that kind of thing. So to me, it makes perfect sense then that it would have international appeal, uh, that they would, uh, they would attract a naturally occurring uh, ethnic diversity and even religious diversity to those attractions. Because, you know, it's not just Christianity or even Judaism that owns the story of Noah's Ark. You know, you can go there, as I've said in our podcast about that, regardless of whether you believe the Ark is true, although I do believe it was true. I accept the global flood. I accept this is history. But, you know, I don't believe in Hogwarts. I don't believe Hogwarts is real. And yet lots of people go to the wizarding world of Harry Potter just because 
they're in that fandom. You know, lots of people grew up hearing about the fantastical story of Noah and his Ark as a kid, uh, whether or not that accepted as history. Uh, it's great to go there and see some of the fantastical yet biblically based speculation about how this could have happened. And I'm glad you guys were able to go not only there, but to the Creation Museum, which I, I can't pick a favorite between the two attractions. Uh, you guys got the uh, the double evangelical pilgrimage done there. <laughs> uh, I think you get your your evangelical cards, uh, another couple of punches there for all of your members of your family. Yeah. And the whole time walking around, I mean, we walked about four miles that whole day within. I mean, that arc is gigantic, 500 feet front to back and four yeah, different built levels. Spec. Yep. Yeah. yeah a, amazing wood kind of structure. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. You know, I thought, wow, we could have been walking around at Disney World or something or Six Flags, but here we are at a at a Christian theme park. Like this is just, it's blowing my mind. There was just nothing like this when I grew up. And I mean, even until a few years ago, there was nothing like this. And so it was very uh, surreal being there. But, you know, the Ark Encounter, it, it was so chock full of not, not only kind of creative interpretations of this is how we think they could have stored the animals, fed them, took care of them and, and how they you know, their living quarters and everything, but this is how we think we, like you mentioned diversity. This is how we think all the different peoples of the world came from this one family, you know, this patriarch and a matriarch and their three sons and their wives. And this is how you can get all of the human biodiversity we see today from these eight people that, that was really something. And again, they, they made the point, like you said, that there is one race, there's the human race, but we see all this diversity within that one race and God loves all these different people. And sure enough, there they were walking around us and, uh, you know, and then you go sit down and you, you listen to these like short films or they're, they're kind of funny, but they very clearly present the gospel. And I thought, well, praise God, people from very different religious backgrounds are hearing the gospel clearly. And I, I think that's a very underappreciated aspect of this, uh, of this attraction. Yes, it's about the ark. Yes, it's about the flood. But it's very much about, you know, uh, escaping the, the future flood of, of God's judgment through the ultimate ark of, of Jesus Christ. And to kind of use their language there a little bit, just an extremely well done exhibit, though, in, in, in every respect that we, at one point, though, we were just like, my 12 my year old and I were like, okay, I think we have information overload because <laughs> you can just read and learn so much from it. But uh, yeah, I, I think everyone should go there at, at some point in their lives. Faithful listeners, you don't know this, and maybe Zach's about to learn this, but he just accidentally set up the topic for our next show about fantastical storytelling that also performs an evangelistic role. We won't get into that now. You can listen to the end of the show and find out what we're planning for our next topic. But rest assured, unless Zach gets double COVID like the president, <laughs> uh, we will both be in the studio for this show. But let's get started uh, for this show, because although Zach and his great family got to go to Ark Encounter and Creation Museum, my wife and I and a bunch of other Lorehaven staff creators did get to go to Realmakers. And as part of that, we participated in a launch party on Thursday night for the Wonderland Trials by Sarah Ella, uh, which is also our top sponsor for this episode from Enclave Publishing once again. This novel just released a few weeks ago in July of 2022 from Enclave Publishing, and its back cover goes something like this. Solve the clues, face your fears, survive the trials. All Alice Liddell wants is to escape her normal life in Oxford and find the parents who abandoned her 10 years ago. But she gets more than she bargained for when her older sister Charlotte is arrested for having the infamous Wonder Gene, the key to unlocking the curious Wonderland reality. Soon Alice receives a rather cryptic invitation to play for Team Heart in this year's annual and often deadly Wonderland Trials. 
Now she has less than 24 hours to find her way into Wonderland where nothing is impossible or what it seems. The stakes are raised when she discovers players go missing during the trials each year. Will she and her team solve the clues and find the missing players? Or will betrayal and distrust win, leaving Alice alone in a world of her own? Follow the White Rabbit into this topsy-turvy fantasy where players become prey, a sip of the wrong tea might as well be poison, and a queen's ways do not always lead one where they ought to go. This is book one of the Curious Realities series. I heard it's going to continue with a book two. The hardcover is out now from Enclave Publishing. It's also available in audiobook form from Oasis Audio. Unrelated, but we at Lorehaven got an advance copy of The Wonderland Trials, and we reviewed it, and we said in part, although indebted to a classic, The Wonderland Trials is inventive and colorful in its own right, abundantly able to charm and to intrigue. That's from our advanced review. You can find that link and all the other links in our show notes for this episode 123, or you can go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, I mentioned that uh, Oasis uh, Family Media had a launch party for the Wonderland Trials. That was a lot of fun. You basically pack a lot of people into a hotel ballroom, and Sarah Ella was there and her friends, and a bunch of clues were scattered around the room. So it was like kind of a treasure hunt escape room type thing. Of course, hijinks ensued when people would find the clues out of order. And then uh, <laughs> I think at the end, uh, the whole team had to go up front and uh, yell out a catchphrase in order to win the prize. Uh, the catchphrase, of course, being, we are all mad here. I think it's okay to spoil mm-hmm. it now. Uh, the game has been played out. Uh, everybody's gone home and presumably it won't be played again. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, there were cookies and everything was very themed. You get something like Alice in Wonderland and then you're able to uh, wreak a little havoc with the imagination but everything just on brand and you know my little branding soul i was very happy with that and that was a lot of fun i guess we need a quick stop by the concession stand speaking of uh concessions this is not an alice in wonderland concession but zach mentioned that he did pick up some covid it was all his fault uh, going <laughs> on the road like that uh how many times does this make for you now brother but uh, the point is the being, third time this, this year the third time okay so the trilogy <laughs> is now complete now you can move <laughs> on to some so. other diseases yeah yeah oh, you need yeah. to get more creative there don't stay in that same world for too long <laughs> Uh, I get the the concession there is that, um, folks, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to do most of the talking here, not just because uh, Zach uh, is still recovering from the COVIDs, uh, but because I was the one who went to Realm Makers. And legitimately, we talked on the way back uh, from our respective trips, but there were some things about the conference we avoided specifically so we could hear it from me here for the very first time. So let's go to chapter one of this discussion. Uh, what is the world map of the 2022 Realm Makers Conference? We're just going to sketch it from uh, from above here, mixing metaphors, uh, kind of a thousand foot view about the conference. And you can go to our show notes and get the uh, media release from lorehaven.com. If you hadn't heard of Realm Makers before, you just get to find out in that media release. What is it? Okay, you know, it's a conference for uh, Christian made and often faith based uh, writers of fantasy and science fiction and stuff. Uh, Lorehaven is not about writers and all that, uh, mainly because other groups do that so well. Lorehaven wants to focus on the fans. Realmakers focuses on the creators of these stories, but they're also fans. So there's a lot of audience overlap. And we know there's a lot of Realmies among our audience here, too. Uh, but we have our different focuses there, uh, but are certainly uh, partners in trying to raise awareness and the quality of these kinds of stories. Uh, you can get more information, like I said, in that link. Uh, this year's conference was in Atlantic City, uh, which I guess is the setting I want to picture for everybody. Uh, usually, Realm Makers is at a, uh, a hotel called the Sheraton Westport in St. Charles, which is a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. 
And in fact, they were going back there next year, uh, which is nice because that's like Yay. a 12 hour drive for my wife and I and probably for you guys as well. Yeah. So maybe we can actually end up in the same uh, sweaty minivan or something <laughs> this uh, this <laughs> next year or so. Uh, but this time it was in a very different sort of venue. Uh, it was at the uh, one of the many bays of the Atlantic in New Jersey. And it was called, what was it called? Haraz Resort Casino, something or other. So basically picture, you know, it's a, it's a casino hotel, you know, perched at the end of a bay in the ocean. And I'll tell you, Zach, and a lot of people complain sometimes too much about this. That meant that there was a lot of walking. Uh, at uh, least for us, you had to take the elevator, you know, down, and then you had to walk through kind of the shopping mall type environment. And, you know, then you had to go into the conference center. Like it was rather massive. And on the ground floor of the conference center was not Realm Makers. Uh, there is a huge dance competition. So there's people walking around in leotards and their parents and, you know, and you can see all the clicks and you could see all the people huddled around in a circle. And then once you go up the massive escalators through this cavernous space to the second floor of the conference center, you are greeted with a sign that says, please, no dance practice on this floor. Hmm. Uh, and I saw a few Instagram videos where Realmies were, of course, you know, doing a little improv movement there right next to the sign uh, just to be naughty. <laughs> I don't think it was about uh, us, though. I think it was about the folks downstairs who I believe honored the sign. But man, that dance thing went on for longer than I think Realm Makers. I think they were there when we left and they were there when we arrived. So, what, they were really so what, what exactly was it? A dance contest or something? Some kind of it was it was like a competition. I mean, they had it done up as if it was a reality show, like uh, you oh. know, it was various teams. Um, uh, obviously, you know, the juvenile folks uh, coming in from around the country and then all their okay. parents. So. Uh, several styles seem to be represented. I don't mind telling you, you know, kind of look in the room and then back out very quickly because it's looking like that Netflix movie that we canceled Netflix for in there and like, eh, you know, I'm not into that sort of thing. Uh, Thanks. Okay. Uh, but the rest was, you know, just ballet and modern. And, you know, my wife, Lacey spent a lot of time uh, doing dance teaching at a, at a mm -hmm. private school, very Christian oriented. So, uh, she is my dance whisperer. Uh, she can tell me what's going on about that stuff. But uh, uh, upstairs, you had all the creative stuff going on. You had uh, mm -hmm. you had realm makers, so you know, kind of different spheres there. Out in the hotel, you've got you know people sitting around like zombies gambling, uh, and uh, then you the, go a little further. They get the casino stuff. Yeah. There, it's a casino hotel. Yeah, we yeah. didn't always pass the casino, but you know it was there. Uh, and you know, folks uh, sit there like they've been assimilated by the Borg, uh, just kind of plugged yes. into the machines, and it's kind of sad. So enough said about that. Um, then we move into the, you know, the dance contests or things are a little bit more wholesome. And then you go to realm makers and it's like wholesomeness grand central because, you know, almost all folks there are Christians of some variety or other. Uh, the conference is going on for about two and a half days total, not including the pre-conference or post-conference events and uh, a lot of familiar faces, uh, a lot of folks uh, that I'd hope to see there who were not including you, Zach, but hopefully you'll make it next year. Uh, and personally, I didn't go to any of the writers uh, classes or anything like that. I was just there representing Lorehaven. Uh, my wife and I had some things we had to take care of Thursday morning, but the McCarries, uh, Laura McCary, who does our marketing and her husband, uh, were there to help set up the table. And, you know, it was rather cavernous space too, for the marketplace, uh, which is one of my favorite features of Rome makers, uh, even though it has the bookstore and we had to walk out of there with a giant stack of books, even though with Elijah David, uh, my wife and I had stayed on the way up. Uh, around in uh, Georgia, and we went to a bookstore where we also got a large stack of books. So I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to read course. all this stuff. It's just a job hazard. Uh, that, uh, that's not the point. The, the point is to collect the books and to put them on a shelf. And it, yes, and it looks nice. 
Yes, but it, that's it's immoral. A, it's a different. It's a different hobby than reading. It's, but this, my soul tells hobbies. me this is immoral to buy a book and then not read it. Uh, it's it's just it's just rude. Oh, it's like you, walking you, you away. You just from gotta the smother that shoulder angel a little bit. I know? suppose so. Yeah, just put him in a jar <laughs> and then follow all the memes. Like yes, add to what was it? There's a meme with uh, Kermit and the you know evil Kermit. It's like I can't yeah. I can't afford any new books. Yes, add to your collection. And like yeah. Oh, yeah. The shoulder angel or Kronk shoulder angel. I'm, I'll show you yeah. the way that rocks. You know? <laughs> yes. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak in my case. But hey, you know, we got good books. And I honestly, some of the books I got were physical copies of books that I'd already read because it's a, it's a perk with Lorehaven. You know, mm-hmm. we're not rolling in the greenbacks over here, but it is a perk that we do get books sent to us digitally in order to get them to the best person to review them. And sometimes uh, I read and review the book personally. And if I really enjoy it, yeah, I want to go out and get a physical copy and then get it signed by one of the authors. And of course, after the Realm Awards uh, uh, banquet on Friday night, uh, on Saturday, I was going out and getting more of those books and having them signed. But we'll, we'll talk a bit in the Realm Awards later. I just wanted to give you that larger view of the conference, especially for those who couldn't go or not familiar with Realm Makers. Now, this was the 10th annual conference. Is but yes, indeed. It, uh, does that include the 2020, you know, virtual conference? It's so that... surprising how often that came up. Because <laughs> some people would have gone to this conference in person. You know, this is their first physical conference, uh-huh. even though they went to the 2020 virtual conference. Okay. And then yet they would have a little one on their name badges to indicate that this was their first conference first in person. Yeah. Well, I, I think that people, you know. If you'd already been to a previous physical event uh, before 2020, or if you'd been in 2021 and then came in 22, you ought to put a little three sticker on there. You know, you've yeah. gone to three conferences, but I think sure. they were telling them, hey, if this is your first physical conference, then yeah, put a one on there. And then okay. that means next year they'll put a three on there if they make it to all three. But did um, Realmaker start in 2012 or 2013? Yeah. Oh, 2013. Oh, I okay. Yeah. Gandalf. I was okay. there 2000 years ago. <laughs> uh, and um, I probably miss uh mishandled that quote so yeah the, the tenth first one yeah the tenth one yeah the first conference was at the at a university of uh, missouri uh, right. campus in st louis and very small event only one track of classes and you had to uh hole up in the dorm because it was the off season and i think early august i think and then you had to hike all the way across campus or take the shuttle if it showed up uh, and go to your courses and yeah, probably less than a hundred people there, probably less than 70 people there, if I remember right. But the, uh, the costume banquet was great. And how did this year's turnout compare to last year? Oh, that's a great idea. Um, let's see here. Actually, I pulled that up in my, uh, press release here. Give me one second. Yeah. Uh, Lorehaven is doing the, uh, helping out with the, the media releases for this. I got yeah, well, the exact that, numbers in the in the media release. Yeah, this just said over 350 for this year, but I I don't know what it was last year. Yeah, I think that's if you combine uh, the live attendance as well as the virtual attendance. So let's see. Yeah, over 350 creators, that's correct. And then that was in person and then over 60 virtual attendees. So, yeah, oh, okay. get, getting close to 420 uh, total attenders there. Because I mean, it, it's it's the same conference, but if you're attending virtually, then you know obviously you're not hanging out with people as much unless you've set up a Zoom call or something with somebody. But you can watch all the classes live stream. I think they had like one internet glitch the first day, but then got that ironed out, and then all the recordings are made available later uh, for folks who signed up. You can get the recordings, presumably. Reach out to role makers about that. But yeah, 2013 was the first event, and then it's definitely like. I'd say it's quadrupled or gone to five to six times that original attendance and then held fairly steady there for the past few years. 
That's wonderful. Well, I, I certainly missed it. You know, it was just exactly the same time of the week as a uh, conference I had to go to for work, uh, which a lot of really exciting things happened there, which uh, maybe we'll talk about this some other time. I did notice a trend, though, on Facebook. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of, you know, Realme authors, and I, I noticed a lot of them said, you know, I can't make it this year, and I'm missing this person. And that person say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not there either. I'm really missing that person. And there were like a lot of posts like that. And so I wonder if it's just, you know, had to take a year off or it's just all the way in the East Coast. And the, a lot of these people are in the South or in the West, West Coast. And so, but that's good to see that overall there was a high attendance. Where I, I assume there was a lot of new people there. Like, did they, did they do like a show of hands for, like you said, there was people with the, the, the number one on their badge for first time in person. Did you get any sense of like what percentage of attendees were first timers? First timers did put their hands up at one point, uh, obviously very difficult to count, uh, at least when you're in the middle of the room, but it's definitely in the dozens, maybe even in the high dozens for that That's conference. Great. And that matches my experience at previous events as well. I mean, folks will rotate in and out because a lot of folks who go to an event like this are doing this on the side, you know, creativity, yeah. creative writing, that kind of thing, or the finances aren't there this year, or maybe you're choosing to go to the online option. Uh, which is also great. You know, you obviously can sleep in your own bed that night and you can make your own free continental breakfast. Uh, I've done it myself. We all did in 2020. And that was a really great experience, but there's nothing like being there in person. I, I just have to say, and a lot of people commented on that. Okay. So a little off topic, but go for and, it. And not exactly about the conference, but you know, we both gone on road trips. So I want to hear what your road trip listening choice was like your soundtrack or your audio stories. Like what did you guys fill the time with? audio wise. Oh, I can do a pitch here actually, because, um, we weren't listening to the audiobook for Fantastics, uh, the book quest that we just finished in the Lorehaven guild, which you can access by going to lorehaven.com slash subscribe and you get a free access code to portal into the guild. We didn't listen to the audiobook for that, but we took turns reading. Actually, I think my wife did most of the reading oh. of uh, George McDonald's Fantastics. Oh, so cool. we did, we you just did read, read it out loud. Neat. Just read it out loud. Yeah. Well, she, so, you know, passenger reads, obviously I don't mm, yeah. read if I'm driving, but we took turns driving <laughs> as well. Yeah, I read one chapter once because uh, we didn't go straight to Realm Makers. We made a few stops. Uh, we saw mm -hmm. uh, uh, Eli, uh, and who's a Lorehaven writer, and, uh, and his family. We got to stay with them at least one night. And then uh, just stopped by a couple of vacation spots. And then like literally the town where I remembered growing up first, even though I wasn't born there, in uh, southwestern Virginia. Um, literally, uh, my house at the time uh, growing up was basically at the borders of Fangorn Forest because those trees are just going nuts there in the uh, Appalachians or Blue Ridge Mountains, I guess. Mm -hmm. So then we meandered our way to Roadmakers and yeah, we listened to, I don't think we listened to any podcasts. Uh, we listened to my wife's playlists. Well, when we were in the Blue Ridge Mountains, um, the playlist favored a lot of Rich Mullins actually because mm -hmm. he's a, that he's seems a to fit. Appalachian guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just, it fit with the mountains you were seeing and some of the, imagery in the songs i mean talk about fantastical creativity uh he, he definitely had that very much uh, very much gifted our audio story of choice was actually mike naraki's dead sea squirrels oh series, yes awesome okay. which uh you you gave a couple of those to uh our youngest daughter and then we bought some more with uh they had their birthdays our, our little kids had their birthdays so we got birthday gift cards and We've got uh, seven or eight of them now. Uh, I think there's 10 total, but I don't think the last two are in audio yet, which Mike and Rocky, if you're listening, we want to hear number nine and 10 in audio. But man, those were so fun, Stephen. It was Mike doing all the voices. Uh, there was a lot of funny sound effects. There was a little bit of music. 
it was so delightful. It, it was really, really fun. Our whole family enjoyed each one. And then because we had the CDs, I was able to then transfer like the, the MP3s from there onto our kids like iPods and then they could just listen to them again. Our youngest daughter would hear it, but it's kind of hard to make out some things, you know, when you're on the, you know, on a road trip. So then she put on her headphones and listened to it again and like really start to understand it. Man, uh, those are great for a road trip. Uh, of course, we did the obligatory Adventures in Odyssey through the uh, the new uh, Adventures in Odyssey Club app, which they uh, updated. Yes, that's they right. They updated and there's been kind of some rough <laughs> things with that. But but it was funny. At one point they said uh, they introduced an episode with uh, this is Adventures in Odyssey, your official road trip soundtrack. <laughs> We're like, yes, th- that's exactly it. it. It is that's the official. That's how you know your audience. Yes. yes. Yep. So and that, that was great too. I did listen to a couple of Odyssey episodes in the way back. Like I'm, I'm, I'm touching up against 40 here and yet I still sat in the passenger seat and then just lay back on my pillow while my wife was driving. I just want to specify that again. And then they had a couple of new episodes out and they're going places with the, with the conspiracy and things like that. You know, they're, they're doing a little of the good kind of fan service where they're like, Hey, remember that, uh, remember that villain that, uh, you know, we, we, we last heard about, you know, back in the two thousands, well, he's back and oh, that kind wow. of thing. Yeah. Very no nice. spoilers there. No spoilers. I, I, I kept that pretty spoiler free. <laughs> yeah. I did get in some odyssey time, I must say. Um, and they have a new one out there. All right. So we're just handing out for free plugs, right and left of stuff that we enjoy, which uh, makes perfect sense. But we got another plug coming up here after which I will cue chapter two. Our second sponsor for this episode is PS Patton's novel, the withering, which is now out. And in fact, I got to meet him at the conference. Really great guy. Uh, Great to meet with there. P.S., whose actual name is Patrick. I hope he doesn't mind if I say that. I'll describe a little bit more on that in a moment. But first, let's get to the sponsor proper here. This is a science fiction novel just launched on July the 26th. Here's the back cover. Their world has reached its end. The fight for their future has only just begun. The moon will soon collide with the surface of Nolaro, and three orphaned teens have nothing left in the world but each other. As the apocalypse threatens to end all life on their world, Bro is desperate to protect his little brother and secure a future for themselves, while Jima falls captive to her dark past. A sardonic traveling magician offers them a way off their dying world, but at what cost? Their search for an escape will force them to face questions of flesh versus spirit, natural life versus eternal life, and physical death versus spiritual death. Family, faith, and courage are at the heart of this end-of-the-world adventure. As I said, The Withering arrived on July the 26th, and it's already got a couple of endorsements. And one of those comes from our previous guest, Emily Hayes, who's the author of the 2020 Realm Award winner for Best Book, Seventh City, as well as the Knights of Tin and Lead series. And she said, quote, Patton has crafted a redemptive tale of brotherhood, sacrifice, and hope, end quote. There's another endorsement from Kate Stein, author of the Earthbound series, who said, I really felt those Paralandra vibes throughout and the mix of tension with superbly done supernatural elements made me feel like I was reading a peer of Peretti or Decker. Well, that sounds pretty good. So you can find more about the withering from P.S. Patton in our show notes for this episode 123. That link will also take you to our main page for podcast sponsors, lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, I'm going to turn the page now and go to chapter two of this in progress episode. Whom did we meet at the Lorehaven booth in the Realm Makers Marketplace? And Patrick Patton was one of those folks. Uh, he had his own booth there uh, to showcase a promo for 
his book, which had just come out, like I think just a few days uh, after the conference started, actually. Uh, but he was trying to have some copies there. I don't think he had the copies, but he had plenty of chances to talk to folks about that. And I got to know him a little bit, too, uh, because we sci-fi writers got to stick together. Uh, fantasy that's is right. definitely represented more at the Realm Makers Conference because, hey, folks, that's just where the market is, <laughs> at least in that particular area. Um, I also met another uh, previous sponsor of the podcast, Andrew Chamberlain, uh, who I think he he mentioned that it was in part due to the sponsorship on the show had come all the way from Merry Old England. It was his first oh, conference, wow. whether virtual or otherwise. Uh, and he also writes science fiction. We've heard about that on previous episodes of the show, too. So I just want to give a shout out to both of them. Uh, somehow, I, I feel like I was talking to them at once uh, in my head. But uh, these were separate conversations at or around our Lorehaven booth. And Zach, you would have appreciated this, too, because increasingly people come up to the Lorehaven booth and they're aware of Lorehaven mainly because of this podcast. I mean, you know that Lorehaven predates the podcast. Lorehaven.com does reviews and articles and news about Christian-made fantasy to explore it for Christ's glory. But increasingly, I'd say that the podcast uh, has uh, basically taken the place of maybe what our old print issue of the magazine was meant to do. Uh, all, of our, uh, all of our print stuff is now online and you can get to that for free. But we definitely urge you to, to subscribe, not just to the podcast, but to discover the larger Lorehaven star system at lorehaven.com. Yep. And I've been able to catch us up on our YouTube channel. So if you just search for Lorehaven on YouTube, you can see all of our episodes now. That's an easier way for you to listen, especially if you have like a smart TV and you want to listen in the living room. That's a really easy way to listen to the podcast. So our thanks to all of you who listen and subscribe and share it with your friends. That's it's great to know that the message of Lorehaven is getting out through audio. We also got to meet uh, several of our current sponsors uh, from uh, Oasis uh, Family Media. They're now the parent company of Oasis Audio. I think I got that right, as well as Enclave Publishing, which they acquired earlier this year. Uh, they're also starting a new imprint, which I was very interested to hear about. And uh, perhaps we'll get to that in the future sponsorships of this podcast. Uh, several of their staff uh, were appreciative of what Lorehaven does, and just as much as uh, we appreciate them, uh, was uh, slightly disappointed that Steve Smith, uh, the uh, the president of Oasis, uh, wasn't there. But it turns out, Zach, that he had also gone to another conference, not yours. He'd gone to the big one that weekend, San Diego Comic Con. Oh, uh, very cool. I, th I think he was hoping to see Henry Cavill announced as Superman, but that didn't happen to my everlasting bitterness. Uh, yeah. I joke. I don't think that's why he was there. Uh, he was there <laughs> because he was up for an Eisner Award. Uh, oh. a, a very distinguished award it actually is uh, he apparently had been doing some graphic novel type work as well and he got it uh, he got the cool. eisner award yeah wow. so hoping to hoping to hear more about that later uh didn't get the exact nature of that project but i would love to hear more about that so, so the Snyderverse still needs to be restored. Uh, this uh, Snyder is not uh, it is not for you to know uh, the times and dates <laughs> for the Snyderverse's <laughs> restoration to the kingdom no apparently not uh, it is already and not yet. Uh, there's definitely been some hints about that, but this is not another Snyderverse show. Don't groan. <laughs> stop groaning out there. Everybody stop groaning. I'm not, I'm not going to go on about that. I'm talking about Lorehaven now. <laughs> we did have a moment though. There was a moment on Saturday when they thought that uh, Henry Cavill was going to show up and like kind of crash the party and otherwise DC looked really, really lame. Uh, they just had two movie trailers and called it a day. Uh, and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson couldn't really save uh, himself from the booze of some fans when he seemed to call into question who Superman was going to be played by in the future. So we had a few people at the booth, like just kind of, you know, watching the news uh, with me because, you know, I struggle with the brand, right? You know, oh, I don't want to be Steven the Snyderverse guy and I want to be the Lorehaven guy, the fantasy guy. But 
people know, you know, if you know, you know, and you show up <laughs> at the booth and, you know, you do a little watching in the headlines and you realize, well, nothing happened. Doggone it. Like, I actually didn't feel that disappointed. You know, I'm at a conference surrounded by friends. Like, I'm good. I'm good. No, no idols here. No more than usual. Uh, oh, real quick, Zach, about the friends. Uh, I mentioned that um, LG McCary was there uh, and her husband, uh, Caleb, as well. Uh, Marion Jacobs, uh, Lorehaven staff creator. Um, let's see. Jessica Boudreau. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, she's one of our review team members. Uh, and Josiah DeGraff, uh, who's also a Lorehaven staff creator. Uh, he was there with the author conservatory and then hopping back and forth uh, between our booth and his uh, with the Kara Swanson booth in between. So some heavy hitters there at the kind of the, uh, the back end of the marketplace there. Uh, Josiah just wrote a really good article at the site. Uh, the one person whom my wife and I saw on the trip but didn't go to the conference was uh, Elijah David. And Lord willing, uh, we're going to have his article up at the site in just a couple of days from release date of this episode uh, about the horse and his boy. So really great to hang out with the creators. Uh, you know, everybody has a lot of camaraderie. And I mean, they're obviously there either representing other brands or also going to the writers classes and stuff. But we had a lot of time uh, to catch up. Oh, and of course, I didn't I didn't say this. Um, Marion Jacobs won the costume contest like handily yeah. against some very tough competition. Uh, we did have, uh, I think it was Bradley Caffey as uh, the Mandalorian. Um, and then uh, Pam Halter is like with, a, with a the baby Yoda. fairy princess or something. Just of course, the, he had a stuffed baby Yoda. Yeah. Now, if he'd <laughs> had an actual baby dressed up as Yoda, he probably would have walked away with won. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because babies, babies always, always win. win. Yes. Yeah. Well, they won last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it kind of uh, beat you and your daughter, actually. It was uh, Wreck It Ralph and Princess Vanellope. Uh, yes. But notwithstanding, uh, Carrie Neitz, uh, who was in a full 3D printed and electronicified version of the Master Chief mech suit, it was Marion who walked away with all the applause. And not only that, but the, 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 the judgment there is very subjective. I mean, it's, it's sure. a conference for creators. Uh, there's some subjectivity. And basically, it's, okay, who do you like? You know, yell, applaud, whatever. Um, Marion got people drumming on the tables because she was the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, the whole book. That was her dress, uh, which she had made herself. And she had kind of this wizard staff type, uh, accoutrement, which was, uh, you know, the lamppost, the little flickering bulb kept falling out, but nobody noticed. Uh, and it was a truly fantastic, uh, costume, just, just very creative and like had, uh, had some of the Narnian imagery all over it. Uh, we've got pictures posted in the Lorehaven Guild uh, server on Discord, as well as at the, uh, the Guild spinoff group on the Facebook. So you should be able to find those if you want to. And we just had a lot of friends, uh, folks who uh, won awards in the books. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment, including a lot of the books that we reviewed at Lorehaven. Now, something I want to ask about her outfit, it looked like her dress had the text of the book on there is that correct it was not the book itself uh, she could have done okay. that uh, but i think it was uh, it was just a print you know it could have been lorem ipsum you know for all i know I, yeah. I wasn't reading it too closely uh but i mean she didn't need to put the actual text of the book on there i think the mc uh, lauren brandenburg remarked that that seemed to be a realm makers costume contest first where people were actually, you know, but on, on them on the table, you know, wow. uh, giving a nice little soundtrack there. So that was very cool because she, you know, lots of people, including uh, LG McCary, who was, um, oh, bother. What was, uh, what was her character name from Mass Effect? Like she, she wore prosthetics and everything. Liara uh, something. Amazing. The, yes. 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 I, I don't you, know, you know more fandom. gamer dudes than I do. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with that fandom. Well, I'm not familiar with the uh, uh, bother. Is it Halo? Uh, Master Chief is from. 
yeah, yeah Halo. These, yeah, okay. Master Chief is Halo. Laura was Master. And I call myself a geek or a she's fan like boy. a yeah. alien doctor scientist or something. Yes, yes. I, I think I got the gist of it. Uh, it was a truly spectacular costume. You know, she is all in blue. Uh, she yep. had hand sewn the costume. You know, self taught, and then got you know genuine latex prosthetics, uh, which is not easy to put on or take off, and it certainly uh, doesn't do wonders for your hearing in a crowded room either. <laughs> uh, and then by the end, you know, she's kept kept it all on her head. Uh, unlike uh, Doctor Lazarus, uh, was portrayed by uh, <laughs> Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest. You know, where he goes through his adventure, and then all of his stuff on his face is falling off. Uh, I cannot imagine the discomfort there, but it looks absolutely fantastic. Now, tell me about Carrie Neitz's uh, Master Chief outfit. You said there's something about it was electronified. So, what did did yeah. he have like some like effects happening on it? Oh yeah, uh, he had lights uh, coming from the helmet. Uh, he had kind oh, of this, nice. uh, this this cool um, reflective uh, paper uh, on his helmet, uh, which I think he could see through. I don't know. I never put the helmet on. Um, mm-hmm. It is a great costume, but uh, certainly uh, certainly a bit cumbersome. Which of course meant uh, that uh, when uh, he and I were trying to get back uh, to his room, um, I felt like the photographer elf at the Santa display in the mall at Christmas because <laughs> all of these uh, uh, dance uh, students and their so when you're walking through the rest of the and hotel. their parents, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had to take the elevator down to the first level, and the dance competition is still going. And I think all the people were danced out. They're like, oh, cool. It's Master Chief from the best-selling video game franchise, Halo. Uh, I must have a picture. I must have it now. And Carrie, of course, you know, like Santa at the mall, very gracious, posed for the <laughs> photos each time. And I think by the end of the night, had had the helmet uh, rather grimacingly removed and redonned six to seven times. Uh, oh, that wow. thing was not easy to get on. <laughs> but uh-huh. we did it. And apparently we made a lot of fans nights. So well done but by the end i was like okay we gotta get santa back to the north pole you know before ushering <laughs> him in you know to the secret door by the food court or something yeah well and i was wondering about that with the the mandalorian costume like was it an actual metal helmet that he had or was it like a plexiglass or plastic or something because that that could also get very heavy or just uh, yeah cumbersome i, I or don't think it was the hero helmet uh, i think okay. it was just fiberglass or something but uh, honestly i didn't get uh, close enough to see i should have there's just so many people uh who are entering the the banquet hall i mean everybody yeah. dresses up except for steve lobby and he just sneaks in the back way so he doesn't get caught on camera oh zach that's what they did different this year i'm pretty sure they haven't done this before in order to let everybody see the costume what they're doing when you go into the banquet hall is they actually stop you and then put a microphone in your face and say who are you and what's your costume and so mm-hmm. you have to give an intro and you have to explain who your costume is, you know, which character, you know, either from your book or from another franchise that you're Mm -hmm. representing. Uh, And I thought that was pretty cool because then they play that video back later when everybody's at dinner so that everybody gets to see everybody's costume. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And I think that's online. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. It is online. In fact, we should put the YouTube video link in the show notes for this episode. I'll see if I can do that. Uh, That's something that I think I was uncertain whether the, um, banquet was going to be live streamed to the entire public uh, not just folks who'd signed up for realm makers but apparently it was so if you missed going to the banquet uh, you should still be able to get to that uh, youtube link and i found it like it's a public link so uh, we'll include that in the show notes that was not even the most important part of the award ceremony the costume contest it's like an unofficial award right so what there there were actual awards given out for books Yes, indeed. Let's turn the page and go to chapter three of this episode. Who won the 2022 Realm Awards categories for best books? Now, 
there is a pile of these awards uh, and I had to go through every single one of them because I also did the media release uh, for the Realm Awards announcement. We will, of course, once again, link to that in the show notes if you want to see who won for the best flash fiction or the best uh, audio story under two hours or over 15 minutes or under 15 minutes. Lots of categories there, especially for audio, uh, including the best cover design award, novella, novelette and audiobooks and all that stuff. Uh, we'll just focus on uh, some of the, the the top ones here. I mean, well, they're all top ones. You know, each one of you is special. We just don't have time to go through every <laughs> single award. Uh, first, uh, let's just uh, let's just spoil the ending here. Uh, Book of the Year uh, was chosen uh, at the very last, but I'm going to put it first. It was Of Fire and Ash by Jillian Bronte Adams uh, from Enclave Publishing in their Escape imprint uh, for YA Fantasy. Uh, the book of the year is chosen from the award winners and all the other genre categories. Uh, Jillian Bronte Adams had already gotten uh, that nod. Uh, she also won the Realm Award for the epic and high fantasy category. So we should link her interview too, uh, Zach. Uh, we didn't interview all these folks. Uh, there's a few names here I didn't recognize, but we did talk to Jillian Bronte Adams in review of Fire and Ash, which is a YA fantasy about uh, basically elemental horses in a Rohan type environment. And there are wars galore and side characters. And yeah, it's a pretty, pretty epic scale there. You can find all those links in the show notes. Yep, so she got book of the year. 91. That was the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that instant uh, turnaround there. So she went home with uh, one of the little, uh, little blue uh, flame um, goblet thingies that are made by uh, Leah Neitz glass. Uh, another creation by the, uh, the Neitz family there, but she also went back with the, with the rather grand goblet shaped uh, article, uh, which by the way, does not, at all look like the goblet of fire uh it's just the goblet surrounded by fire when you see the picture <laughs> at our media release there harry did you put your name in the goblet of fire dumbledore asked calmly uh <laughs> let's see who else won here um i'm not familiar with robert ad at i'm not sure how you say his last name robert hey god bless you i'm glad you won the award i'm sorry for mangling your name but robert won best debut novel which i'd not heard of coil and fang curse of shadows now that's fascinating. It's independently published. So maybe we need to reach out and see what's going on with this. Uh, it sounds like kind of a more paranormal type story there. And uh, that's one of those underdog genres, even in a somewhat niche genre called Christian fantasy. So well done there. That's great. That's great. Yeah. It looks sort of like an urban fantasy. Uh, if I'm kind of deciphering, deciphering this correctly. I told you we'd be pantsing the show folks. Yeah. We're totally, uh, totally it's outlined uh, chaos here. So here's the description. The year is 1892. A mythical book has been stolen and the fate of mankind rests in the hands of two exceptional women, a brilliant detective and a deadly vampire. Ooh, oh, cool. cool. Okay. Yep. Detectives and vampires are tight. Okay. Especially when yeah. it's a team up. Okay. You know, I can forego my vampire should always be evil cage stage in order to appreciate the novelty of that premise. So yeah. cool. Well, we'll see if we can look into that. What else is here? Oh, yes. Um, our friend uh, Jamie Foley uh, uh, does marketing for Enclave as well as does Fayette Press. Uh, she won the general fantasy category for Silver Blood. Uh, that's a uh, book two following up after Ember Hawk, which we have reviewed at Lorehaven. I thought we'd reviewed Silver Blood too, but I will have to check. The reviews are starting to pile up, folks. I'm starting to lose track of what we've reviewed and haven't reviewed. Um, but I ended up getting uh, physical copies uh, of both Emberhawk and Silver Blood, uh, which uh, Jamie, of course, uh, graciously signed for us. And we're looking forward uh, to reading those in the physical version, not just the digital version. Uh, I actually was uh, very glad that she won in that category uh, because Jamie actually lives fairly close to us, uh, you and I, Zach. Uh, so we're 
kind of part of the uh, the segment of Relneys down here in Central Texas. So well done there, Jamie. Well done. And we'll link to that in the show notes so you can get the book description and any of the reviews uh, that we've done of her series. Now, who won for science fiction? Our, our, yeah, my personal favorite category. Daniel Schwalbauer won for Operation Grindel. Uh, again, uh, another enclave title there. It's uh, kind of a military sci-fi, if I remember the cover right from the back of my head, but it's about a journalist who has to go undercover or something like that. We can link to that in the show notes, too. We have a Lorehaven review of that. And recently, this spring, we had Daniel on the show to talk about his more recent novel released this year, uh, Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney. Uh, all these novels, by the way, uh, had to have been released in 2021. So that's why Operation Grindel got the nod there uh, for best science fiction. And uh, right. I don't think Daniel was there, uh, but I think I think this is the one where Steve Lobby, his uh, publisher and a secret agent man in this industry, <laughs> uh, went up there and he said, you know, like I'm, I'm guessing there's just, uh, what was it he said? It'd probably be in the video. Like, I'm guessing uh, he, if Daniel were here, he would say, I have no words. And then he just left. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> classic. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But apparently the words in uh, Daniel's book were great enough to get the Science Fiction Award and the Realm Awards 2022. Fantastic. Here's another title I'm not as familiar with. Uh, another underdog genre, as I mentioned, Paranormal, Supernatural, and Horror. They grouped all those into the single category here. Uh, whereas fantasy, by the way, Zach, you may notice has two categories, epic and high fantasy and oh, general fantasy. Yeah. Ah, okay. So there's more fantasy mm. going on here. Hey, I'm not judging. I'm just observing just market realities here, folks. But yep. I want to endorse any Christian made paranormal, supernatural or horror novels that are excellent. And Deborah Collins Smith from Ye Old Dragon Books got the nod uh, walking home at the award for Mina Warrior in the Shadows. And if I had outlined for this show the way that I want to outline a great fiction novel, I would know the back cover description there. Zach, maybe you're looking it up, but the Mina there makes me think, is that Mina Harker? Maybe it's a tribute, like, or maybe it's set in the Dracula universe. Now, that would be interesting. Yes, there is uh, Dracula. It says uh, Mina Harker allowed Dracula to change her, believing that he held answers to life's questions, but God brought her back from the edge of the abyss through the love of her husband and her friends. Now, she's not quite a vampire, but she's definitely something more than a human, and she must face what she has allowed herself to become. Dude, so. I just got chills. I didn't know that was the premise. <laughs> you, you were, you were, this, is a, this is a live on recording demonstration of a fantastic novel pitch. Like, y'all, if you've listened to Fantastical Truth since fall of 2020, you know I've been in a kind of a Dracula cage stage. Or like, where is this book? <laughs> I just discovered this book a few years ago. This is so cool. And now thousands of new fans are also undergoing this particular transformation because there's mm. the Dracula Daily been going on where someone has been releasing excerpts from the actual book, which is in the public domain, by the day because the book itself is kind oh. of found footage. So you find some interesting overlap as to what you know, Jonathan is writing in his journal because he's got nothing else to do while he's being stalked by Dracula in the castle. And mm. while at the same time, you know, Lucy's writing about all of her male suitors, you know, on the same day. And you get a lot of interesting contrast there. And a lot of people are discovering, you know, this 110, 120 year old book for the first time and realizing that it's a lot better than they expected. And I'm just looking forward to when they find out, you know, just exactly where the real action begins in London. But anyway, uh, this premise sounds really cool, and I'm really glad that that got the Realm Award uh, for Best Paranormal, Supernatural, and Horror Story. It's a good comparison that it sort of created the found footage genre, which is very prevalent within horror. 
Max Brooks uh, has a book that I read, I guess last year called Devolution, Devolution, and it's about the found footage or journal uh, from people that endured a Sasquatch attack. And uh, it's same thing. It's like you're you're reading each page. You're like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because this is what they found, and so is this going to be the last entry? And there really is a, a certain amount of suspense with that approach to a story where you you really don't know what's going to happen. It, it, the next page might be, oh, well, there was nothing after this, and I'm the investigator that found this, and uh, here's what we think happened. And so you're really wondering uh, where where is where does the story go? Because most of the time when you read a story, you know the hero is going to survive. That's why they're the hero of the story. But the uh, but the found footage kind of breaks up that expectation a little bit. So is is Mina a character in the original Dracula? Oh, absolutely. She's uh, okay. Jonathan Harker's wife. Uh, she's the oh, one who is his okay. fiance while he is trapped in Castle Dracula. He's just gone there to do some lawyer stuff because Dracula is trying to move to England to find some fresh blood. And she's one of the her- the heroines. She's the fe- the only female member of the crew of light, uh, as um, as our guest uh, Jeffrey Ryder had, had mentioned. And uh, she she's the one about whom. Uh, who, what is it? Um, it's uh, uh, Dr. Seward and all the other folks uh, who, who are just praising her to the skies. You know, she's she's such a genius. She's so smart. She's got a man's brain. You know, they're praising <laughs> a woman in their very Victorian way. You know, right. bless their hearts. Uh, but she's she's a legit heroine. But she also gets you know assaulted by Dracula. And toward the end there, spoiler alert, you know, she's basically the main victim of the story. You mm. don't know whether she's going to live or die. So that figures into this uh, informal sequel, it uh, sounds like. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she did with that uh hey speaking of creatures i understand that there are some zombies and airships uh in the winner for the uh, best young adult novel in the young adult category and that was uh last year's secrets in the mist by morgan bussey also from enclave escape as their ya imprint at that publisher uh that one's got airships and flying and uh and apparently a, a mist that turns people into zombies. I, I must admit I haven't read it, but we did do a review at Lorehaven and we've also recently did an advanced review of the sequel. I think it's book 2 of 2, uh, which is called Blood Secrets. Uh, that just came out. Uh, no, it's actually coming out in a few weeks if you're listening to this episode around release day. The so best young adult uh, realm award 2022 for Secrets in the Mist. Yes, apparently the presence of zombies in that story was uh, making a few people nervous, but I'm glad that they did it. I'm glad to see some frontiers being pushed there in a biblical way. Uh, Best middle grade novel, uh, Sing to Me of Rain by E.B. Dawson, uh, independently published book there. You know, Zach, we don't do as many middle grade titles here on Fantastical Truth, but I'm hoping we can. I think the last time we focused on a middle grade series uh, was mainly because I was familiar with it. Uh, the Incredible Worlds of Wally McDougal, the series by Bill Myers, who was our guest in summer of 2020. But uh, whether it's this book or others, like I, I think we maybe need to do some more of that stuff. Uh, you know, reach out to those parents who be part of our audience uh, because Laura Haven's reaching out to Christian fans and not just authors. Yeah, middle grade is a has been a tricky genre for us to find good books in uh, for our kids. Because, well, you were talking earlier about the Dead Sea Squirrels. That's also yeah. middle grade. Yeah. You know, it's it's like they they're tired of like the kids chapter books, but they're not quite ready for the YA books. It, it's bless the hearts of all middle grade authors because I, I that's got to be a tricky needle to thread. Final award here, at least going through the book awards, is the Reader's Choice Award. Uh, they handle this one a little bit differently. There's professional judges who discern the best novels as best they can from these other categories, and then from there pick the book of the year. 
But this one goes out to the fans. Uh, so fans of Kara Swanson nominated Shadow more than fans of other folks, at least in this contest. So Shadow by Kara Swanson from Enclave Escape took home that award. Uh, we have had Kara on the show as well. Uh, last year, I think it was, Zach, uh, talking about uh, both Dust and Shadow. Again, a duology. Enclave's been doing a lot of duologies there. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, there are some other awards uh, that we just won't go over here. Uh, best novella, best novelette, cover design, audiobooks in various categories, audio short stories, and short stories and flash fiction that appeared on websites or in print. So you can find every single one of those award winners uh, in the link in our show notes. Uh, the news story at our website was called Realm Makers Announces Winners of 2022 Realm Awards for Best Christian-Made Fantasy. And then from there, you can also go and look at all of the nominees. Each one of those book categories, for example, had five nominees in there. So you can cheer on your favorite, uh, but also see who else got the nomination, which is also very uh, prestigious recognition there. Lots of great fiction out there. Uh, we just don't have the time or space to go through every single title here. However, we do have time to go then to our comm station. Uh, Zach, while you and I were away, we got some really great notes from previous episodes of the podcast, uh, starting here with a note from Lucas Kitchen. I think I actually met you, Lucas, uh, at the conference as well. Uh, he cooked up some encouragement about episode 121. Uh, longer comment here. We'll just excerpt this a little bit. He said, quote, I loved this episode. I listened to it on the flight back from Realmakers. I've noticed that a lot of the Christian sci-fi and fantasy is only subtly Christian or maybe even not at all in content. That was my impression leaving Realmakers as well. There was a lot, a lot of talk about writing for the mass market. I listened to your podcast and it raised my spirits. Seriously, it was right at the right time that I listened. I then found your multiple articles about what makes Christian spec fic Christian. I wished I had spent more time at the conference talking to you. I'm the guy that asked you what you and your co-host debate about and then sat and talked to you about UFOs and aliens in the cosmos. End quote. Zach, that's where I basically said, man, I wish Zach was here. You know, Zach's my <laughs> Zach's my alien guy. You know, he is my interface <laughs> with the uh, UFO community uh, and all those wacko conspiracy folks and those wise conspiracy folks, because uh, there are some of them out there. Uh, that's where I got to say, hey, I can't take credit for the alien shows or the armies of the alien series we do on the podcast. Uh, that is a Zach thing. By the way, Lucas, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, great to talk with you at the conference as well. And I, I shared your impression there, uh, although I didn't go to the writers' classes. There's a lot of talk at any writers' conference about trying to go to the mainstream market, you know, the, or the mass market, uh, which may be a slightly different uh, term there. I believe, as I've said on the podcast before, that Christian fiction basically is the same thing, properly defined as Christian-made fiction. The Christian is the individual. And as a result, the book is Christian in some way, whether the content is subtle or overt, you know, whether Jesus is named or whatever. Uh, the only exception be is if an author has a major chip on their shoulder about the church or something and is deciding to subvert Christianity, even while still trying to be a Christian. Uh, that puts the Christianity of the book in a state of flux. Doesn't mean it's not Christian or pagan or evil or anything like that. I would just say that the faith claim is in flux. And then hopefully that person will find their way back to Jesus and then their book will be decidedly Christian. Um, I think Christian made fiction can be mainstream. Uh, it may be a special case increasingly in a, uh, in a mainstream world that disfavors Christianity uh, or it can be made for Christians, you know, published with a Christian label. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think increasingly that's a great approach. And it's frankly one that I'm hoping to take. I mean, Lorehaven is definitely 
by Christians for Christians and whether whether you find your stories uh, in the mainstream market or from Christian authors. Yeah, you know, Lucas, I, I would advise you to go back to, uh, and thank you for listening to the podcast, and I'm glad it's encouraging you. And um, if you haven't listened yet, go back all the way to episode two of our podcast. That's where we talk about uh, what do we mean by saying it's a Christian story? And, you know, I give four definitions there. I'll just run through real quick, which is a, a, a Christian story could be something for a Christian audience. It's about Christian characters. It could be just about Christianity in general for those inside or friendly to the church. It could be like Christianity, like a an allegory or metaphor uh, for spiritually curious people, or it could be just simply a novel by a Christian, as Stephen said, that it's it's for a wide audience. It's not necessarily about Christianity, but the author is known to be a Christian. Uh, at least we hope so. And yes, where where this can kind of go sideways, as Stephen said, is sometimes there are Christian authors who do have a chip on their shoulder. The, the we talk about the church back home syndrome, or just some stuff they're working through. Yeah, yeah. And their book is sometimes authors talk about writing a book as therapy. And, you know, I just want to go on the record here and say, I get it. I understand why you want to write things to kind of work through your past. And and maybe that past includes hurt in the church, but I'm not real supportive of the idea of writing a book as therapy and selling it to other people because then they're paying you. When you go to therapy, you pay the therapist. If you're writing a book as therapy, you're asking the person to pay you for your therapy. And that's, I think it's a little bit backwards, but I get it. You know, I, I get that that happens. And I also get that there are people that don't want to be outed as Christians. And I think that can be a problem as well. But I don't think it's a problem to write for a wide audience as long as you are truthful about who you are and what you believe. Where I have seen this, you know, go sideways is where a Christian creator is not known to be a Christian and then is outed as a Christian to, a predominantly secular fan base. And then they get upset that, oh, you believe this or you hold to this ideal. And then, oh, does that mean you voted this way? Yeah. Yeah. They they can feel the betrayal. Wait a minute. I I thought he was one of us. And now, no, no, he's he's a, he's a sheep in wolf's clothing. What's going on? Yeah. So I, I think, look at who, whichever audience you're writing for, whichever kind of subset of readers you're going for, whichever way you were trying to interface your Christian faith with your story, I think always be clear about who you are uh, and, you know, be clear about who the book is for, but, but be clear about who you are. Uh, you, you, not you, Lucas, but you Christian author out there uh, so that yes, people don't feel hornswoggled. <laughs> Great word, by the way. You just need to use the word hornswoggle in more sentences. I think <laughs> if you get anything out of this show, I think it's a great word. To, like it sounds slightly vulgar, but it's really not. And plus, you get to sound <laughs> you know, like a Warner Brothers cartoon character back when Warner Brothers was good. <laughs> Another listener shared this reply. Oh, by the way, that episode was uh, 121, and that's the one that uh, you and I did together, Zach. Uh, Will humans colonize the cosmos before Jesus returns? After that, we have the solo show uh, released a few days late, a 122, Why Are More Fans Turning Against Their Favorite Franchises? But another listener had shared this reply about that episode. Uh, They said, quote, Personally, I stopped keeping up with Star Wars and Marvel after Disney acquired them and started churning out multiple movies a year plus multiple TV slash streamed series. Those franchises tie everything to everything else, and if you miss a single thing, suddenly the references and interactions in the next movie don't make sense or leave a sense of being excluded from an inside joke. Marvel especially is guilty of this. 
I don't have the time or energy to devote to every series and movie. Consequently, I lost interest in the franchises as a whole. End quote. Uh, that's not even an objection to woke stories or, you know, sexual identity uh, versions of things going on. Uh, that's just fatigue. Uh, we actually talked about that, Zach, I think, with uh, Megan Bashup in our episode about franchise fatigue. And, you know, some of that is just fans objecting to the thing, but some of it is just you're moving on to different stages of your life. You know, you have kids. You can't get out to the movie theater, you know, once every month or so like you used to. Uh, there's just things that happen. Your tastes change, you know, and, and for me, like, I think my tastes have changed, you know, even more uh, away from a lot of the Marvel stuff. So even if they weren't trying to put a bunch of, uh, you know, agenda stuff in there as they seem to be, like, I think I would just be getting tired. Uh, but does that mean I wouldn't be interested in watching like the Daredevil TV show? Actually, I probably would be. And if I had Disney Plus, I'd probably put that on my uh, on my list because. You know, I, I, to a large extent, I really liked the uh, the Netflix show and, you know, a slightly less grimdark version of that uh, might just be right up my uh, dark hell's kitchen alley. So you, you don't need to throw it all out, uh, but I definitely understand that sense of fatigue, uh, especially after uh, Comic-Con, which you know, I recorded the show before Comic-Con got started and Marvel like dro dropped all the movie titles they supposedly planned between now and the year 2026. Like, Ugh. okay, we're, we're done with phase four. Now we're moving to phases five and six. So, you know, here's everything. And just looking at that giant chart to me, it's exhausting. Uh, and yeah. so I, I definitely share our listeners, a uh, sentiment here. And like I mentioned, like feeling just like what DC did was lame. And like, Zach, I, I think I watched the trailer for the Shazam sequel, but I've not seen any, of the other trailers because like why should i feel like it's homework uh i'm graduated from school like don't don't make what's supposed to be fun into homework i i really don't want to do that wait sinbad's gonna be in another one what's that sinbad and shazam sequel oh no oh here we go this old canard again yeah no <laughs> <laughs> uh no no th see this th it's a multiverse right you know yes, it's there the, we go. Uh, it's the berenstain effect or the mandela the, effect the man or whatever mandela effect yeah yeah, yeah. That's Zach with his Gen Z humor, or, or is it, or is it old Xennial humor? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Old joke. Google it. We're not putting it in the show notes. Google it. <laughs> I, I definitely hear what this listener is saying, which I would, I would call fandom gluttony. You know, it, it's just, it's too much of a good thing makes it a bad thing. Yeah. Too many carbs. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, sugar. I try, even with shows that I'm watching, I try not to binge them now. I've, I've had COVID this week. I've been in bed almost all day. So look, I, I'm going to admit I had binged it's a few the time. shows. Yes. St. Peter yes. will allow it at the pearly gates. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to binge if you have COVID, right? But still. But, but most of the time I like to just watch an episode a day of a show and I, I liked it. You know, the, the waiting is what makes it interesting. And I actually like that with the Mandalorian and other Disney shows, how they would just do one episode a week. Now you, you could, you could take a cynical interpretation of that, but I thought that was fun. I, I thought the anticipation was fun. Yeah. Talking to friends like, you know, I, I had a group text with a couple Star Wars nerd friends and every week it's like, have you watched it yet? Can we talk about it? And like that was that was always really fun. But what this listener said about feeling like you have to keep up to know all the inside jokes and you're just like losing track of everything like it is kind of exhausting. And it's um, it's interesting to hear. There's a lot of people complaining about this, not just Christians, not just, you know, conservatives or whatever. There's a lot of people saying this that like they are just trying to milk this thing for all it's worth and it's just not i don't think it's going to work in the long run i i don't think man can you know it, what does the bible say they're, they're uh the eyes are never tired of seeing but 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 sometimes they are <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, so, sometimes you get too tired of, of watching or having to watch. It's, it's the pressure of like, have you seen it yet? Have you watched this newest thing? And it, you know, there's only so much of that you can do. Well, I think the idea now is that, okay, we need to make sure that we don't repeat uh, the running into the ground of the Western genre or, or war movies or other trend movies that swept through you know, Hollywood and popular culture. So what are we going to do to keep this fresh? Okay, well, we will try branching out into other genres as well. You know, we'll do a spy thriller. We'll do a political thriller. Uh, you know, we'll do fantasy. Let's bring in Dr. Strange to cast some spells. You know, what we'll do, you know, this kind of mythopoetic attempt with the Eternals or whatever that was supposed to be. Uh, and and I think like some of that, though, you, you risk doing too much new strange stuff, but your brand was built on this is all one story. You know, generally all the films are in one genre, you know, superhero fantasy, you know, action with, comedy. With, yeah, action yeah. comedy. Well, and then there's a lot of them, especially the Thor movie, like just action comedy that's all that it was and i I was anti-interested in seeing uh the thor um not dark world the thor love and thunder uh, for that reason like i just it it it, um it felt like a sugar rush from a movie i'd not even you know consumed and like i i don't i don't need a movie that's violating the laws of digestion that makes me feel a sugar high that i'm gonna crash from when i haven't even seen the movie or consumed the sugar like that's that's not an effect that's for me but you know and maybe you want to say something about that episode uh, as this listener did or about any of the uh, realm makers coverage that we did uh did you talk to us at the booth uh, did you miss seeing zach uh email us podcast at lorehaven.com or find us on the socials just look for lorehaven on the old facebook uh, instagram or twitter and of course we have a comment box at the site uh, you'll want to definitely sign up for free updates from lorehaven as well oh speaking of which uh, meanwhile at lorehaven uh, definitely subscribe and get that access code so you can portal as if by magic into the Lorehaven Guild, our server on Discord, available exclusively to free Lorehaven subscribers. Uh, we just wrapped our last book quest for July uh, for George MacDonald's classic Fantasties. And now we're jumping into a newer story. Elijah David is doing that new book quest through the month of August. It's our most August book quest for 100 cupboards hey speaking of middle grade zach it's a middle grade-ish book there from indy wilson uh really great portal fantasy there several portals in fact uh, behind the bedroom wall uh, that young henry gets to discover and then of course he also discovers that when you start jumping in and out of worlds uh, you also find some darkness going on there so really great christian themed story i think by the way that was in a mainstream uh, publisher there for quite a while at least so we're going to be exploring that through uh, the month of August in the Lorehaven Guild. Also, we have uh, the Elijah David article coming up about the horse and his boy. Uh, several months back, Elijah started going through each of the Chronicles of Narnia and just fleshing out uh, what each story meant to him uh, as a Christian and as a reader. Uh, he's going to be exploring the horse and his boy and how that illustrated to him the sovereignty of God. I uh, got an advanced look at that article. haven't edited it yet, but we should have that up by Thursday after this episode's release date. Just go to lorehaven.com and find it there. And you can also get that notification about the article by subscribing free to Lorehaven. You don't just get the guild code. Uh, you also can choose your own updates, uh, get notified whenever we put out a new podcast or review or news post or book quest or article like Elijah David's article. And we got some new, really exciting articles coming up here uh, too. Uh, just in time for back to school season uh, that we've, we've been working on among the creative team. And I would like to know from you, our listener, what was on your summer road trip playlist in the car? 
what were your podcasts or audiobooks or just, you know, new music albums that you were listening to. So send us a note at podcast at lorehaven.com. Next on Fantastical Truth. Well, at each Realm Makers Conference and beyond, you will find Christian authors trying to do the thing we mentioned earlier, a thing that has evaded all but the most elite spies and celebrities in our culture, crossing over from the Christian market, as they call it, to the general market. Well, that's the goal anyway, and not just for many Christian creators of fantastical fiction, but also anybody who's a Christian musician or artist or some kind of influencer. But should these stories, if they cross over, try to evangelize the secular readers in some way? And if so, what is the best way to do this? Not just according to the results, the numbers, but according to the Bible. Very interesting topic. I'm looking forward to exploring that in our next episode. Meanwhile, whether or not you attended Realmakers in person or virtually, know that you are a part of this fan community. There are some amazing fans out there, Christians and some non-Christians, by the way. A lot of these stories do have the potential to cross over, and it is our joy to explore them with reviews, meeting the authors, and showing up at as many of these events as we can to represent Lorehaven and the Fantastical Truth podcast as we continue to seek and find Christ's fantastical truth. <laughs>